Welcome to Two Idiots and a Dog, Idiots Unleashed. Hello, friends, and welcome to another video. We're not on video. No one wants to see our ugly mugs. Eh, fair point. Sorry, Sophia Nygaard. Sorry. Just a quick warning. This is an uncensored podcast, so you may hear adult language or other content not suited for children, the workplace, church, or, frankly, human consumption. Before we get started, I think we need a disclaimer. But we just had one. Yes, but what about second disclaimer? <sighs> Alright, so what is the second disclaimer? This episode is a little bit more political than we usually like to get on main. Ooh, we're gonna get spicy! Maybe too spicy. We're also a couple of idiots who didn't introduce ourselves. Eh, I think they know who we are by now, but I guess just for the sake of it. So that's Grim. And that's Zulgar. And Kaiju is laying on the bed being adorable and confused. <laughs> this week, our topic is gatekeeping. And why it's fucking stupid. This was submitted by... You. Really? Yes, this was your idea. Uh, that sounds like something only an idiot would do. I know, right? Well, if you have an idea for a topic for us, you can let us know on our Discord or social media, but you can only vote in the topic poll on Discord. Now stand back. Because the idiots are already fucking unleashed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, gatekeeping. Before we get started, let's give a definition for the audience. Gatekeeping is when, basically, it's when people either directly attempt to keep other people out of a fandom or other communities, such as a hobby or similar, or they act in a way that is not directly attempting to keep people out, but is creating a wholly unwelcoming environment based on how much you know about the thing. So a a classic example is... You know, okay, you see someone wearing a band t-shirt, you're like, oh, you're a fan of that band? We'll name three of their songs. You know, that's that's a very stereotypical example, but... I mean, yeah, that's the lowest hanging fruit example, honestly, but it, it serves to really illustrate what we're talking about here. And gatekeeping can apply to fandom in general, specific hobbies, including all the myriad forms of gaming. It can, it can cover media enjoyment such as a movie or, like you mentioned, music. And there are people who perform this this gatekeeping, either out of a misguided sense of keeping their fan space or their hobby space pure, meaning true fans only. And if you didn't hear the finger quotes, they were there. And it's not always out of malice, but it's still a negative practice that needs to stop regardless of your motivation. Yeah. At the very core, there. I mean, we could we could honestly sum this episode up entirely in just one simple statement: gatekeeping is fucking stupid. Because if fan, if a hobby or fandom or anything else does not get new people, it will die. And gatekeeping inherently keeps new people out unless they have basically unless they have a thick enough skin and are invested enough to want to put up with the bullshit to get involved. Yeah. As part of this opening, we also need to address the fact that there are individuals in these hobbies and fandoms who 
experience this gatekeeping far more frequently and far more severely. These are spaces that are traditionally dominated by cis, heterosexual white men. And as a result, anyone who does not fit that narrow definition is more likely to run into this form of negative fan behavior. And I want to give a particular shout out to people of color, women, and queer people. These are the three most common groups that experience this. And if you fall into multiple brackets, you have experienced this probably a lot more than other people. And I am sorry. Yeah, because, you know, I used to work in a game store and tabletop gaming is an area where there is still a lot of gatekeeping. You know, we're, we're starting to break away from it a little bit in the tabletop RPG scene, but especially like Warhammer and other miniatures games or card games, you get a lot of that. And I am a cisgender white male, and honestly, until I mention it, nobody realizes I'm queer because I'm not... I am none of these stereotypes of queer. Yeah. I'm not the one, the guy who, you know, talks with an obnoxious, with a lisps or, you know, runs around wearing rainbows everywhere. I completely blend in with your normal, again, thing, there's, there's air quotes there, cishet white men. I have a certain amount of bromouflage, as I call it, because, well, on paper, if you don't know me, I appear as a cishet white man. But, you know, as I was mentioning with the game store... Working there, I never ran into this mentality of, well, I didn't know what I was talking about. I was just hired because I'm pretty. I'm not pretty, but that's beside the point. Things like that. But several of my female co-workers did. They they would basically have guys coming into the store and treating them like they were idiots who knew nothing about gaming because, well, they had boobs. Yeah, and this flavor of gatekeeping... has actually cropped up in other areas outside of hobbies and fandom. The misogynistic undertones of gatekeeping women have come up repeatedly in professional environments as well. Oh, it's, I mean, it's ancient. Misogyny and racism are two of the oldest forms of bigotry. You want to, you want a fun story regarding misogynistic gatekeeping? I mean, I just read a story the other day about a woman who worked in the home and garden section and had to call her manager because the guy wouldn't believe she knew what a plant was. I got it's it's pretty it's pretty much that good. So I also used to work in a convenience store years ago, and this convenience store did not sell propane. But I had a female coworker who previously worked at a convenience store that sold propane. At one point, a customer came in wanting to get propane a propane tank filled and she's like okay yeah no problem let me let me help you we'll go out and do that and this customer was adamant that no a man had to help him get propane and the male employee at the time because there was a male employee in store too was like uh sorry i i don't know how to do propane you're you're gonna have to have her do it no no you need to go help me get propane so the male employee goes out looks at it it's like yeah i got no idea how to do this and as i recall Eventually, the customer finally let the woman help him with propane, but it took a ton of convincing when even even the other guy there is just like, no, no, dude, dude, she's the one you want. Yeah, the story I read, the manager was dealing with the forklift in the back section, had to park 
and secure the forklift <laughs> to come forward to help this individual. He told this customer verbatim what the female employee had told him. And after he left, the mayor's like, why did I need to do that? Oh, I already told him what you told him. Well, I mean, there's, there's that classic story that floats around of the, you know, two people that work in the same, the same field that they basically only deal, deal with email, swapping he, names. He and, accidentally used her signature one time, and the response he got was completely different from what he'd normally gotten from his customer, and that led to the experiment where they, they switched emails for, like, a month or something. And he had to spend so much time basically reiterating things numerous times and dealing with customers who just didn't believe that she, because they thought it was a woman, Mm -hmm. was competent at her job. Yeah. And, I mean, that's getting a little bit off topic for what we initially planned on this, intended for this topic, but it's... It's just as applicable because gatekeeping, whether it's professional setting or in a casual hobbyist fan setting, does nothing but hinder that environment. It doesn't even really help the person doing the gatekeeping. It really doesn't. Uh, you get what? That, that like three second high off of feeling superior to someone else for a moment? It's not worth it. And before we get further into this, there was one final point we needed to make as part of the opening. We needed to make a clear distinction. That there is a difference between gatekeeping, which is the topic that we're discussing, and expelling assholes from your space. So there, there is this thing called the paradox of tolerance. If you're not familiar with it, essentially what it expresses is that radical tolerance leads to intolerance. That basically, if you tolerate assholes in your space, the assholes in your space are going to make your space intolerant to whoever those assholes are going to be intolerant to. So, you know, basically, if you let a Nazi into your gaming group, guess what? Your gaming group is now a Nazi gaming group. I don't care how the rest of you are. If you allow that Nazi to be in the gaming group, you're all guilty of accepting a Nazi. Period. Yeah, uh, all right. So I am fairly open about this with the people I know personally, but I'm going to go ahead and go on the record of saying this. When I was younger, in my teenage years... I was an asshole. And I don't was? mean and I don't mean the kind of asshole I am now where it's like <laughs> I mean I was the term didn't exist yet because I'm old, but um if you'd called me an incel, you wouldn't have been far off. And that was just one of my many failings. I have grown as a person in significant fucking ways, and I am Oh God. I look back at who I was and I'm just like why? That aside, I bring it up because there are multiple fan groups and hobbyist spaces, clubs, friend circles, etc., that I was expelled from. And sometimes that was because I was being an asshole. There is one hobbyist group. I made a joke I thought was super funny. Want to know how funny it was? It included a racial slur. Bear in mind, we had no idea what any of our each other's races were. This was on completely online, and, well, suffice to say, nobody really liked me after that, and they had every right, because that was not okay. It's taken me a long time to come to terms with some of the crap I used to pull. So I have been that guy, and I have also been the guy that had that done to them. Bear in mind, once again, to be clear, me being expelled from the groups, I am not classifying as gatekeeping. If I was expelled for being an asshole, I was expelled for being an asshole. That is not gatekeeping. Yeah, because in that instance, once again, you you have to remove 
the toxic elements from your community, you know, maybe you give them a chance. You know, it, it depends on how bad they are and basically how how much time and patience you have and things like that. But at the end of the day, a toxic element in the community, even if they themselves are do not engage in gatekeeping, a toxic element in the community is a form of gatekeeping because, well, like I say, you let the guy who makes the racist jokes stick around, then people who are the target of those racist jokes are not going to be are not going to feel safe. Yeah, they're not going to feel safe. They're not going to feel comfortable. They will hear you even if you don't react. Even in in a social setting, most of us who are in that position where we have that one person at the table who makes those jokes, there are a lot of us who will. Do the polite chuckle. You know, that, that kind of awkward, nervous play. <laughs> <laughs> even if you don't even go that far and you're just straight up poker face the whole time, you're still sitting at that table. And that black person or Chinese person or Japanese person or whatever ethnicity or, or heritage you want to bring up, watching that table is still going to observe the fact that you are still sitting at that table. You are saying that the bigotry is not a deal breaker for you. And I I have been guilty of, I've been guilty of being a bigot myself in the past because, well, we're all human and we're all fuck ups. Yeah. But <laughs> a lot more recently, I've been guilty of being the person who says nothing, who doesn't react. And, you know, it's one thing if you're like, okay, I don't want a confrontation. I don't want to be confrontational about it. But if you come back and sit at that table next week for the next session, yeah, and then you just keep doing that, it's tacit permission. Yeah, there there is one game group that I specifically left because of that. Now, the the only thing I regret on that is that I didn't tell the GM that that was why I left. The GM was not the person doing it. And you know, actually, if he ever listens to this, Joe, I am specifically calling you out on this. Well, not calling you out because you weren't the asshole, but you probably know the game in question that I left because somebody was being a bigot in the jokes. Because you were my GM. Yeah, I, I've had... I have been incredibly lucky, for the most part, in that a lot of the tables I have sat at, digital or otherwise, have been curated. Either I put together the group myself, or someone I know put the group together... But that doesn't change the fact that these things happen, and my personal anecdotal history is nowhere near evidence of, well, that doesn't happen anymore. Because it does. Every day. And it, it's happened forever. So, if you're one of those old grognards, and you're sitting there going, well, there was no gatekeeping in my time, and I have seen a lot of people say this. Uh, <laughs> So it's possible that, yes, your table was super open and, open and welcoming and you you didn't care about anyone's skin color or gender. You, you never even made the obnoxious jokes about it. You were genuinely a good table. Maybe that's the case. That doesn't mean that every case was. And more often than not, though, you didn't see it because you weren't looking at it for it. You didn't see it because you were actively engaged in it. You were the one making those racist jokes or laughing at those racist jokes. You were the one hanging out with your harmless friend who maybe says some off-color things, but you know, he, he means, well, he's just joking. And, well, 
just joking does not make it a safe environment. Yeah, it just just because it's finger quotes just a joke and there's no finger quotes real hate behind it doesn't mean that it's not still hurtful or contributes to an unwelcoming environment. Yeah. If I just as a joke call someone I don't know an absolute fucking moron, even that is enough to have people abruptly go, "Well, that table's not safe for me." Yeah. Or hell, oh even even more so. Okay, you've gotten a good good idea of the kind of banter Grim and I have. If Grim and I are at a table that we have, there's some people we don't know, and I call Grim a fucking asshole, people might not realize that Grim and I are, we have been friends for about two decades, Mm -hmm. and that's just the way we are. We banter with each other, we insult each other, you know, I I defined it recently as, you know, we're like two immortals who've been enemies so long, we're kind of friends, and still try to kill each other every now and then just for laughs. Pretty much, yeah, and in a scenario like that, of course, I would immediately laugh, and and some of that tension would break, and if we noticed somebody concerned, we would be like, oh no, that's just how we banter. But you still have to be aware of that because if you don't have those additional steps, and even then, if they looked at us and went, well, that still makes us uncomfortable on the table, we would have to make sure that we kept that banter outside of that table because everybody should be having fun. I went through this. I'm not going to go on the full tangent, but I went through this very recently with my own group where when you are at a table to game, everybody at the table should be having fun. And in most cases, it's going to be the GM's responsibility to make sure everybody is having that fun, but it's also kind of everybody's responsibility as well. And if people are not having fun because of something that's happening, it needs to get addressed. Either you need to sit down and realize that those individuals are not going to mesh, like, for example, if it's just a play-style mismatch or something, or a behavior needs to stop. For example, if we're at a table together and we're bantering like that and other people are uncomfortable with us bantering like that because it feels... Maybe it feels reminiscent of abusive behavior towards them they've experienced before, or maybe they just don't like it. The reasoning doesn't really matter. We, at that point, as the ones bantering, have the obligation of either cutting our banter or finding a new table. Exactly. And both of those are valid choices. What is not a valid choice is for us to just go, oh, well, that's just how we banter. Deal with it. Yeah. Because, well, about the only place where... That would be an exception is if one of us was the GM, at which yeah. point it's kind of hard to... At which point it's it's my table and I'm going to run it how I'm going to run it. And that's where we get into the whole determining if you're not a good fit together. Because yeah. if we're going to maintain a table where you and I can banter casually like that, and one of us is the GM and someone else is uncomfortable with that, well, then we need to actually sit... The GM, whichever us is GM, needs to sit down with that player and actually talk to them and be like, is this something we can overcome or do we need to find you a new game? Yeah. Because... And if it's... Honestly, if it's, if it's just a specific thing, like if there's a specific word that we use that upsets them, then, okay, we'll, we'll try to cut that off. Unless it's fuck, because there's no fucking way you're getting me to stop saying fuck. The fact that I managed to censor myself for the most part for the game I ran with a small child... Miracle. Is, is a fucking miracle. Fucking miracle. Uh, the DM had to institute a swear jar, and even the DM was paying in, okay? Now, granted, it was a in-character swear jar where... The, the child's character would get the money, but the fact remains, we still had to institute a swear jar and even the DM was paying in, so what's that tell you? And I wasn't the DM. <laughs> Kaiju was the DM. Kaiju would make a good DM. She's the best DM ever. I will die on that hill. Would you please already? 
Fine, but I'm taking you with me. <laughs> uh, semi-related. This is why in tabletop RPGs, you should, one, have a session zero, mm-hmm. and two, unless you have a very, very, very specific group, like a like a, a group that's been together forever, everyone knows how everyone works, everyone knows exactly what people are comfortable with. Unless you have that, you also need some form of safety tools like X card or lines and veils or whatever you want to yeah. be able to give people an opportunity to and express this makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, and I want to point something out. This is with a session zero. Yeah, because because things are going to come up that you don't think of. You need to be ready to adapt. Part of avoiding gatekeeping, to keep us somewhat on topic with this, is being ready to adapt and change to make your space feel safe and comfortable for everyone. And if you're not willing to do that, you need to maintain that space somewhere that isn't in a public forum. Yeah, so, I mean, a, a, a very, like, a, a, a hyperbolic example. So this is kind of the what we're looking at here, but from a slightly more hyperbolic example. Yeah, you have a you have a gaming group. You run a group at your local library or something, and someone in a wheelchair wants to join your game, and you refuse to remove a physical chair from the table for this person in a wheelchair. That's essentially what you're doing when you don't make allowances for, say, mental health issues or triggers or things like that. Mental hangups are weird. And if you want to combat gatekeeping, you gotta be willing to put in that work or you're going to have to make peace with the fact that you're going to need to run that group in a private setting and you're going to need to recognize that there are going to be people in your life who are going to want to join that game and can't. And you're going to have to make your peace with that. And also, I want to be clear on something. In, in In your tabletop RPG or your game group or any or any kind of group dynamic like that, it is not gatekeeping to curate who is in your game. No. Because, okay, for for the sake of example, I have I, I have an exceptionally foul mouth. You have, you've probably picked this up by now. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I, I also tend to make some very off-color jokes. I have some really weird perversions, and I am very open about a lot of these things. So I I'm going to be completely honest. I do not think I could run a, well, actually I could, but I would not enjoy running a tabletop RPG for kids or Christians. Well, certain sects of Christianity, I should say. There are some who are who are going to be really cool about it, but, but that is not gatekeeping for me to acknowledge that my table is not a good fit for them. Where it does would become gatekeeping is if I said, well, RPGs aren't for kids. Or tried to otherwise keep kids out of RPGs entirely. I don't play with the religious. They don't belong in in these games. The only people who don't belong in our fandom and hobbyist spaces are fucking Nazis. And similar ilk. I'm not going to make a comprehensive fucking list. You should know what I'm talking about, okay? Would you want to sit down and have dinner with them? No? Then you probably don't want them in your gaming group either. Curating your experience and your table is not the same as gatekeeping. However, when you're doing that curating, examine what you're curating and why. 
if everyone that you ever invite to your table is a cishet white man, now it, it's possible that that's just happens to be the people you've hung out with. Maybe you live in a small town and that's your friend pool. Yeah. That's what you got to work with. Okay. I honestly, when, when I was running games at the local game store, a lot of the people I ended up gaming with were at very least two of those things. Because that was the ma- the majority of the people that came into the game store were cisgender, heterosexual, white men. And that hasn't been my experience because I have moved in a lot more varied circles and also just moved more. Yeah. I have lived in almost every part of the, the United the contiguous United States. Yeah, and I mean, my, my online friend circle, that's a different story. Oh, my, yeah. My online friend circle, honestly, there's a whole bunch of my online friends, and I have no idea what their race is, because I've never asked. I've never gone, hey, uh, by the way... Are I'm, you black? I'm, I'm trying to get all these checkboxes for my for my diversity list. Listen, so, I'm playing diversity bingo. I need to know, are you black, Hispanic, or insert other... Fucking now the queer section of that I have complete blackout because well I hang out with a lot of queer people. <laughs> also, I'm like what a good third of that bingo card by myself. <laughs> I am very queer. If you hadn't already figured that out, no. Here's the thing: I don't need you to be a third of that bingo card because I just it's like I, I was joking with my mom earlier because I was talking with her a little bit about something that. Half the time, if I meet someone and I find out they're straight, I'm surprised. It's like, wait, straight people still exist? Yeah, we had a running gag for a while where uh, one of the players in one of my games was the token straight guy. (laughs) And the thing of it is, that is amazing to me because moving us back towards the gatekeeping topic and discussing it a little bit here, the queer renaissance in tabletop RPGs, D&D especially... But as with all things, if it happens in D&D, it ripples out a little bit. Because, like it or not, D&D is the big dog. I mean, I I just have three words for you. Thirsty, sword, lesbians. That game would not exist ten years ago. Period. Full stop. Or if it did, it would be a very different kind of game. Yeah. This this queer renaissance that we've experienced is very recent. Within the, the past ten years. Fifteen tops. And... Don't be wrong. I'm here for it as a queer person. Watching the games I love become more and more queer as time goes on. Watching the the meat pop culture become more queer as time goes on is great to me. But we do have to bear in mind this is very recent. And before that, if you were out or someone even suspected, welcome to the gatekeeping, baby. You know, oh, this game isn't for queer people or slur here yeah or well i mean hell at that back in those days queer was a slur yeah and there are a lot of people still saying it is and and well it's not really part of the topic here i do want to just take a brief aside and mention if you don't want to be called that word if you don't want to be called queer that's cool i'm not going to call you queer but i'm also not going to let you tell me i can't call myself queer yeah that's where that line is well and honestly that's kind of a form of gatekeeping. It, it, it oh god, gatekeeping in queer circles is becoming a real fucking problem. Would that be gatekeeping? Kaiju, kill. Yeah, I'm too comfy on the pillow. But this this is actually something I've seen in online spaces, and 
that's a fantastic expansion, and I'm glad you brought that up, where the concept, not the pun. <laughs> Asshole. It's a, it's a great pun, though. Yeah, you gotta admit, that's a good pun. Get out. No. There is, especially in online spaces, some severe gatekeeping in queer circles where, well, you're not really X because Y. Or oh, you're, you're, you're dating, you're, you're a cis woman and you're dating a cis man. So you're not actually queer, even though you're bisexual. Bisexual, pansexual. Pansexual. Maybe one of you is ace and it's... It, it, yeah, you're... Or, or something. But you're both cis. So you're, you're, you're just straight. Yeah, you're just straight. We see that kind of erasure all the time. That, that, I, I hate it. There's a lot of erasure of the ace spectrum people in queer circles. Oh, where, yeah. That where... Oh, yeah. A, ace is, it's, it's one of the reasons it took me so long to really start considering myself queer is because for the longest time the ace spectrum even though okay it was included in the acronym it wasn't really included because oh well you're not actually queer what you mean the a doesn't stand for ally i have had that asked to be non-ironically yeah i've i've seen people use the a for ally and it's just like no also, I'm just I'm just going to say something here really quick. It's not really exactly on topic, but it needs to be said anyways. Mm-hmm. If you're an ally, that's great. You don't need to tell everyone you're an ally, because if you need to tell everyone you're an ally, you're not as much of an ally as you think you are. No. No, you are not. And that goes for being a queer ally, being an ally for any other marginalized group, be it racial, religious, sexual, whatever. Yeah, here's another fun one for you. A little again off topic, but uh, tell me if you stop me if you've heard this phrase before. Oh, I don't see color. Ugh. I fell into the trap myself, and then somebody sat me down and and bless them, took the time to explain it to me, and I went, Oh, yeah, no, like you can't. It, it honestly, in a weird way, it's also just another form of gatekeeping. Well, especially because when you, when you completely, okay, now, again, bear in mind, we are both white, so this is... Take this with an entire bag of salt. When you disregard, when you, not so much disregard, when you, when you say things like, I don't see color, or, you know, things like that, what you are essentially doing is you're, you're disregarding the fact that People of other ethnicities have had different experiences based on living with that. They may, they have different cultures. They are, they have a different life, and that life is just as valid and just as good as anyone else's, I'm except Nazis, because fuck Nazis. Being a Nazi is a choice, and it's the wrong one. All right, so check this out. I'm going to take what you said and kind of oversimplify it just a little bit for kind of soundbitey here. If you say that you don't see color, blah, 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 insert descriptor here, and you have people at your table, in your fan circle, in your Discord server, in your friend group, in your class at school, in your office. Uh, I thought you said you were distilling it. You're taking longer than I did. Shut up. (laughs) Nobody asked you. 
you are taking some, if you are saying you don't see that descriptor, the people who match that descriptor in your life only hear, I don't acknowledge this part of your identity in history. Related, never ever use the term, you're pretty for a insert, or, you know, mm. I, I, I have a, I have a female friend who is black and she comments how often she gets that oh you're so pretty for a black woman and when you when you say when you use that kind of line when you use that kind of line what you're what you are literally saying is you have a deficiency in this area and you have overcome that deficiency Yep. Which is complete and utter bullshit. It, it's it's right up there. It's it's a completely different flavor of it, but it's pretty much just the same as oh, I don't see that descriptor. Yeah, you are dismissing or disavowing an element of that person's identity and history, and regardless of if you mean it in a negative way or not, that's how it's going to get taken because that's how it is. Your intent with these statements does not matter. You are still creating an unsafe space. It is another form of gatekeeping, conscious or otherwise. Gatekeeping takes many forms. And yes, the, the one of the simplest is just the classic trope of the girl in the comic store wearing a Marvel shirt, getting grilled about comics. It's stupid. And it does happen. Do you want to know the one that pisses me off the most? Go for it. Oh, you're a girl and you like Star Trek? Hey, listen up. Women made Star Trek happen. I'm, I'm going to go a step further. Women made science fiction happen. The fan spaces that you enjoy today for many of these sci-fi properties, including Star Trek, exist because of women. That is not hyperbole. Yeah. Star Trek was canceled. Women brought it back. Not women producers and actors, although I'm sure they had a hand in it. From what I understand, Roddenberry ran a fairly diverse shop. But the fans wrote a letter campaign. And a hell of a lot of those fans were women. Majority of them were women. And now there's there's one other kind of subset of gatekeeping we haven't mentioned. And... It's it, it kind of needs to be mentioned twofold. There there is actually literally disabled gatekeeping. Like yeah. there is there are literally people who will try to gatekeep being disabled. Yeah, I have so many stories from online of people who have have the sticker parked in the handicap spot, got out, and had somebody be like, "Well, you don't look disabled," because either. They happen to be having a good day, can move without their, their mobility aid that day, or maybe they have one of the more invisible illnesses. Yeah. And, I mean, okay, it's also possible that the person is driving their partner's vehicle or whatever, at which point they're, if they don't need it, they're an asshole for parking in the dis- disabled space. But but it's not our place to fucking police it. Yeah. Well, and here here's the other, the, the fun one. There's even dis- Disability gatekeeping in the disabled community. I I know someone online that has a disability that basically renders one of their arms nearly, I, I, I believe, paralyzed, but I, I don't know the, the full details. Mm-hmm. And 
this person has talked about people literally telling them with their arm that they cannot use that they're not disabled. I mean, the disability gatekeeping goes even further, especially here in the U.S., because it's not just these support groups or social circles that are being gatekept. Our disability programs are gatekept to hell and back. I know so many people who are disabled. Just, and I I mean, even more disabled than, uh, full disclosure, I am what I would consider to be partially disabled due to a combination of mental and physical health issues that are none of your fucking business. Some of which I have talked about before, but they're still none of your fucking business. (laughs) You're mentally disabled. (laughs) I will hurt you. I mean, I deserve it for that joke. That is a joke that you only make to your really good friends that you know know it's a joke. <laughs> yeah, and even then... Eh, thin ice, buddy, thin ice. But the program is set up to keep people out, which and- is baffling to me. And like, Well, what if they don't need it? I don't care if they don't need it. I would rather help a hundred fraudsters and help one person who needed it. Well, that just sounds like some radical liberal talk. Then lock those hundred people out and also lock out that one who needed it. I would way rather, well, what you do is you adjust the system until you can... No, you can't. There's no fine-tuning the human condition. And the system is also specifically tuned to kick people out of it. Yeah. If you get one penny over a specific amount, you're out. And, in some many cases, have to pay back what's already been paid. So, here in Arizona, I believe that number is about $5,000. If you get $5,000 in your savings account, or your, your bank account, $5,000 to your name, you lose your disability. Now, think about that for a moment. And since we're talking about that, there's another program. That's very firmly gatekept. What was that? Welfare. And you want to know how you know it's so strongly gatekept? Because of the propaganda surrounding it. Who here's heard of a welfare queen? They don't fucking exist. There might be one out there somewhere. One out there somewhere, maybe. In any statistically relevant amount, they do not fucking exist. And again, to be perfectly honest, I would rather have a hundred of these so-called welfare queens if it meant one person got the help they needed. Well, and look at how many places have have implemented drug testing for welfare or other social services, mm-hmm. and they have found that in the that in these services or when they're in the drug testing, they are spending more money on drug testing than they would ever save by eliminating the people using drugs, and also the uh, these people using drugs at best. They're trying to numb the pain of this shitty existence they have. And more likely, they fell into a bad place. They And they got addicted and they need help. They don't need to be cast onto the street because, well, they tested positive for some narcotic. And by the way, while we're at it, if we're going to drug test anybody... For for them to be able to keep their benefits or position or whatever, drug test the politicians. Yeah, I want I want to see the coke results for some of these guys. 
Come on, let's let's see that. I'm not talking about weed. I don't give a shit about weed. I want I want to see the coke results. Also, it it always amazes me how many places weed can get you terminated or things like that. So- weed can get you fired from many many jobs in the state of Washington, where weed is legal. So yeah, so here in Arizona, weed is legal now too. Tucson is home to a large defense contractor, and that defense contractor will terminate you if you test positive for marijuana. But here's the fun fact. Again, marijuana is perfectly legal here. So if you go home and smoke a couple joints on the weekend to relax, that can cost you your job. You go home and spend the entire weekend binge drinking, that will cost you your job. Yeah. As long as you maybe show up to work every now and then. Yeah, and and so all of this is a system of gatekeeping. I think that's one of the big problems why we keep seeing it recurring in fandom and and hobbyist spaces is because we live in a system built around gatekeeping. And I'm going to repeat something I said earlier. Gatekeeping does not benefit the environment being gatekept at all. It does not even, nine times out of ten, benefit the gatekeeper. So why do people do it? Why why, Why do the people who gatekeep gatekeep? Well, it, it's a power trip. It makes them feel big. It makes them feel important. It makes them feel superior. I'm going to simplify it further into one fucking word. Control. Over themselves, over their environments, over the people in those environments. Power. Am I still talking about fan spaces and hobbyist spaces? No one knows. I mean, you are. And you're also talking about other spaces. Gatekeeping is, it's about, yeah, it's about control. It's about power. And I think that brings us to one final aspect of it. And given how much we've ever been talking about, I think that kind of answers a question we were debating ourselves earlier about whether we were going to do this or not. Uh, one thing of further to say. Huh? Gatekeeping is more often than not big fish in a small pond. Yeah. And that big fish wants control. HOAs are gatekeeping. Uh-huh. Yeah, but there is one element, one thing that keeps the most people out of professional spaces, hobbyist spaces, fandom at all. Am I going to have to cut your mic? Capitalism, baby! So... I might have said it with a funny voice, but it's not a joke. Uh, yeah, capitalism is... Capitalism is a... is. Capitalism in and of itself is kind of a form of gatekeeping, but it is a very major aspect to a special to I mean, it's it's an aspect of gatekeeping to everything. But I I think for the purpose of this, we're just going to focus on capitalism as gatekeeping in fandom and hobby spaces, because, okay, I'm going to hey Grim, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Why did you get out of Magic the Gathering? Because I pull. Yeah, Magic the Gathering is not a cheap hobby. I'm, I'm going to throw another hobby at you. That's just going to really illustrate the point. 40K. How many people would love to get into 40K? Hi. And literally can't because building an army, even a basic bare bones shit tier, going to get killed by any no- other novice army. How expensive do they run? So, last I checked, because I was in 40k very briefly. By the way, you don't actually want to get into 40k. It's got shit mechanics. Uh, wait. Sorry, did I say that out loud? <laughs> yes! Yes, you fucking did. I, I cannot, 
I love the models of 40K. Hold out your hand. No. Hold out your hand. Hold out your hand. I'm holding out my hand. Hold out your hand over here. Bad. No, Kaiju is not bad. Kaiju, Kaiju is, good. is good. Zolgar is bad. Kaiju is good. Kaiju is all good. And you she know, looked honest- overall concerned. Okay, I'm I, actually, I need to derail for just a second here. Honestly, what I just said there is kind of a form of gatekeeping, too. I personally think 40k has terrible mechanics. But... Honestly, when you start getting into the realm of trying to say that, oh, it, it's shit, it's terrible, it's it's horrible, that becomes gatekeeping in and of itself. It's a different form because, okay, I'm not trying to keep some I'm not trying to keep someone out of my space, but when I'm saying that, I am discouraging them from going into another space. Now I think it's a space they should avoid personally, but I should really only say things like that if I'm specifically asked. So Hey, look at me, being a gatekeeper over here. Yeah, so back when I was playing 40k, it would cost you, I think, about $1,000, depending on the faction you wanted, because, like, okay, orcs, you need a lot more models, Tyranids, you need a lot more models, Grey Knights, you don't need as many models, things like that. But it would cost you around $1,000 to put together a basic tournament size list, not necessarily tournament-worthy, uh, you know, you can still do pretty good because one of the positive things is there's not, there's not so much a, well, this unit is more powerful, so it costs more. It's more of the size of the unit and things like that. But, you know. You're digressing. Yeah. But, yeah, I got out of it predominantly for two reasons. One, I don't like the mechanics. And two, it's expensive as hell. Yeah. Oh, and three, I suck at painting miniatures and I don't enjoy it. Okay, I'm going to bring up another uh, very popular uh, fan hobby space, comics. I have read so few comics compared to so many people in my circle of friends, because if I was lucky, we'd get the little dollar pack of random old, uh, older reprinted comics in a bargain bin at like the Walmart or the dollar store or, 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 or growing up. I could not go down to the comic store and even afford to keep up with one comic. Yeah, I, I've been poor my whole life. That's not news. Uh, I got a, I got another one for you. now. And also, on comics, I was kind of there myself. That's one of the reasons that I grew up with things like Elf Quest Unisagi Ojimbo is because that's what my dad had. Yeah. And I didn't really start getting much in comic books until I was an adult. There was a little bit when I was younger, but... I got another really popular fan space for you that a lot of people don't think about the financial gatekeeping level of Dungeons and Dragons. There is a cost. There's absolutely a cost. Especially if you want to keep up to date. You know, yes, you can play Dungeons and Dragons for basically free. You can get the basic version of the rules online free. You can get either a dice generator or you know number rng system yeah. or buy a dirt cheap set of dice that so you can get you can buy dice at walmart now you can buy a decent set of dice that will last you a really long time for less than 10 bucks if you shop around honestly you can you can buy i want to say that it's like 10 bucks for three sets of, or for three standard dnd sets at walmart which is great but, but it's still a cost but yeah. it's a very low cost but if you want to own the books, 
It's 50 bucks a book. And okay, let's assume you're just a player. And you so you have no need for the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Monster Manual, or any of the adventures. Okay. You're still looking at Player's Handbook, Tasha's, Xanathar's. At a minimum, those three. And then here's the fun part. Well, what if you want some other, other race options? Volos. And here's the fun part. Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes basically just got updated with Mordenkainen's Guide to Monsters of the Multiverse. A lot of the races outlined in that book, and also some of the ones from Volos, have been completely reworked in Monsters of the Multiverse. Which means if you want to stay up to date, that is a mechanical rules change that you need to pay for. Now, if you're the GM, I mean, okay, let's say you don't want to run Theater of the Mind. Well, now you got to get minis. you got to figure out what you're doing for maps. And, you know, there there are cheap options on all of this. There really are. You can do a yeah. lot of stuff for a very low price. But I, this is one of two reasons why I primarily play in online spaces. In online spaces, your cost drops significantly. You're Especially dealing... if you don't mind wearing an eye patch. D- digital die. Not that we are condoning that per se, but there are people who do that. Yeah. Uh, obligatory statement we here at two idiots of dog uh, two idiots and a dog do not condone piracy and we believe that creators should be paid for their work that said we also acknowledge it's gonna fucking happen but in online spaces the digital maps digital tokens digital dice wow your costs just went way down didn't they yeah even if you use a premium virtual tabletop you know okay that's like you know 10 bucks a month or whatever instead of you do not want to know how much my D&D miniatures collection cost. You will cry. Seriously, don't ask him. And I, I Even I only have a roughest, barest guess, and it makes me want to cry, and I know it's not 100% accurate. I, I have spent way too much money on tabletop RPGs, and especially now that I haven't touched a physical RPG in years. Which really sucks, because you're... We've had this conversation before, but you struggle with digital rule sets. So I guess bring us back around. Gatekeeping. It's Uh, fucking stupid. Gatekeeping is fucking stupid. It's also so easy to do without realizing you're doing it. As we showed a couple times. You need to be aware of yourself. And if one of your friends calls you out, listen. You know, there, there's actually one other place that there's gatekeeping that I just want to kind of mention really quick. Just It's going to be just a quick thing. Okay. There's actually also a ton of gatekeeping in the podcast community. There's a lot of discussion about how much, well, oh, oh you've started putting ads in your podcast. You're, that means you're just in it for the money. And there, there's things like that. Or the reverse. Oh, well, you're not put it, you're not putting money into your podcast. You're not serious about this. Shit, man, you see this in any creative circle. Writing, musicians, YouTube. So, yeah, it, oh, you you have, you, you signed on with a record label. You're a sellout. You have a Patreon. You're just in it for the money. Oh, hey, by the way, uh, if you like us, you can support us on Patreon. <laughs> we could ramble on like this for a while now, so I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Closing thoughts, if you have any. I like pie. Pie is pretty good. I, I I actually do believe it is superior to cake. I'm not going to say I hate cake. Okay. I will eat cake, but I do believe pie is superior. Is cheesecake cake or pie? Pie. Okay, then I agree. Pie is superior to cake. 
<laughs> That's it for this week. If you like what we do, please give us a like, follow, rating, all that nonsense in your favorite podcatcher. You can also support us on Patreon for special bonus content and episodes a week early, or tip us on Ko-fi. You can find those and our social media platforms and Discord server all in the show notes. Also, be sure to give our friends some love, whoever the fuck it is this week. Hey everybody, I'm Jess. And I'm Ebony. And we are the, the Gruesome Twosome Movie Review We are about the wacky, the wonderful, the weird, the strange, <laughs> the unusual, the gore, the fucked up, <laughs> the actors, the connection, the attack, the passion, the love. Pretty much everything that comes film with films. Yeah. But if it's if it's on a, a screen, we are there. We are reviewing. We love snacks. We love people. We love love. We just love film. We love films. So, so come join us on the couch. If you're as crazy as film as we are, come join us and have a good time with us. See you soon, my loves. Bye. Last but certainly not least, we want to give a quick shout out to all of our supporters on Patreon and Kofi, especially these idiots. Random Warrior, Rain, and the permanently banned Athen Mortis.